Welcome to the WP Tonic WordPress and SaaS podcast. Jonathan Denwood and his co-host Stephen Souder interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Take it away, guys. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 661. We've got a great guest. It's going to be a great interview. We're going to be talking about content marketing again and digital marketing in general. We've got a really knowledgeable guest. We've got Nat Turner, who's the founder of 10Speed. He's one of the founding marketing team on Sprout Social. He is a true expert on this. So... Nat, can you quickly introduce yourself to the WP Tonic Tribe? Yeah, thanks so much for for having me. I'm excited to to chat through all this today. Um, but yeah, I, I was the first marketer at Sprout Social. Um, spent about eight and a half years there, so I had the opportunity to help kind of build and, and scale the inbound engine uh, and help the company grow from about 100,000 in ARR to about 100 million in ARR and then IPO. So uh, from there, I did some consulting with a number of uh, SaaS companies and then um, co-founded 10Speed, which is a con- content optimization agency. So really working with a lot of uh, SaaS and D2C companies on uh, organic growth. So SEO, content marketing, um, and a little bit of conversion as well. Um, and then we also have a, a, a podcast where I'm the host called Content That Grows. And we chat with companies that uh, kind of talk through content they've invested in and how it's helped uh, grow their company. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me, and, and like I said, excited to to be here. That's great, and I've got my great co-host and very patient. I've got Stephen. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Stephen Souter from uh, Hustlefish.com. You've, you've heard me before. <laughs> yes. Um, before we go into this great interview, we're going to go and have a quick commercial break of our major sponsor. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top-quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat-rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pay at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus, there's support, and just the quality of the people are are just amazing. We're coming back, and I'd like to point out um, Castos is offering a great special offer to the tribe, and all you have to do is go to WP Tonic slash recommendations. Not only you find a special offer there for Castos, but also some of our other sponsors and some just general great recommendations if you're looking to build out a WordPress website for yourself or for clients. So, Nat, um, let's go straight into my first question. So, um, do you think the um, in the last couple of years, the kind of general marketing, digital marketing, specifically around content marketing, has changed fundamentally anyway or, or changed any in a specific way? Um, before, let's say, the outbreak of the virus? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk for a long time about the how the pandemic has, has uh, shifted marketing. But yeah, even outside of that, I would say, you know, certainly when we think about like written content and SEO, um, the 
the landscape has changed quite a bit and that I think it's it's continued to be adopted by more and more companies and therefore you know just continues to be be more challenging um, every year from that standpoint um, I think the the resurgence of uh, podcasts has been a, a big factor in how the landscape has changed um, not only just the number of, of podcasts uh, over the last few years but um, the number of companies investing in that as as a good marketing channel and, and a way to generate a lot of content. Um, and then I think, you know, even more recently, some of the um, like creator economy type of stuff that's really, um, you know, we've seen a lot of people developing their own, you know, Substack or Patreons with a lot of content coming through there, building their own communities, um, doing some things there that I think are, are shifting that and, and changing the way companies are engaging with with folks that are creating content or you know, doing things along those lines. So that, that would be a few things that I think have, have changed quite a bit in the last few years. Yeah, so just a quick follow-through question. So I got from that, that you know, with podcasting, because I'm big into podcasting like yourself. Mm-hmm. I do three podcasts myself a week. Um, podcasting, YouTube videos, influencer outreach. I think they're the main and also written blog posts and more detailed white paper content. The landscape has got more competitive, but there seems to be more and more types of content. Would, first of all, would you agree with that? And how do you kind of, what has been a successful mix? I know that's a slightly big question, but maybe you can give some quick insight how mm-hmm. you, you look at, What's your attitude towards YouTube podcasting and how you mix it with written content? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, I certainly can't say that I've been doing it long enough to have you know my own case study on on our work to uh, share as a success story. But I think we can look to a number of other um, companies and just see that there's uh, I, one. I think following and just understanding where people are consuming content and how they're consuming content. Um, so uh, understanding how to utilize things like YouTube um, or social media. Um, but I think the podcasts and, and generally like episodic content type of things work well. Um, as you know, that you can sort of create this uh, episode or this um, piece of content, if you will, through um, a podcast episode and then be able to kind of break that out and distribute um, certain parts into YouTube, uh, other parts into social media, um, and really kind of like give people some more of those short clips and, and things that they can consume or just, you know, in, in the format that they like. So uh, people may very well consume full podcast episodes uh, via YouTube, but that's just sort of their, their preference. So I think a number of those um, certainly play into that. And then I think the folks that do it well understand how to kind of either do um, thoughtful recaps or roll-ups or, or different types of ways to integrate uh, podcast or video content into written blog content as well. So we do that with a number of clients that have podcasts, like understanding there is a, a podcast on this topic. Now there's a written blog post on it and we can link to it. And that just creates a better experience for um anyone who is landing on the site and and reading that content that if they do want to go deeper on that topic, they're able to kind of click through and, and engage in, in a different format of video or podcast. 
I think one of the really big challenging things, at least in talking to other business owners too, is everyone like can recognize like, yeah, we need content, we need stuff out there so people can engage with us. But the creation of it, like do you create it internally? Is it something you can outsource? Once it's created, right, you can hire people to distribute it or market it or create social right. posts. But it seems so many people get stuck in the, I have an idea of what I want to create. I know what's going to happen after I create it, but it's the creation process itself of the content that people often get stuck on. Is there, yeah. is there ways that you can outsource that or is that something that the company should own internally because you know your audience, you know your product? Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, a couple ways to think about it. One, um, when I'm talking with with companies, I often will kind of break it down into like thought leadership, uh, very like product centric, product marketing type of content, um, and then you have more like educational awareness and and creative types of content. And I think that uh, thought leadership and product marketing are typically best served to be done internally because you have that internally, you have all the, the knowledge on the space where you're going, the vision, like that's much easier to, to write about. And obviously the deep product uh, knowledge as well. Um, I do think, uh, and that's where we get kind of brought in a lot of cases is the informational educational type of content. Um, that's much more, you know, top and middle of funnel is certainly um, a, a way that you can, um, that you can uh, like hire that out or, or work with other folks to, to help on the execution. Um, you know, when it comes to like podcasts and, and maybe videos stuff like that, I think those certainly kind of fall in those first couple of buckets that typically that type of content is going to be in-house as well. Do you, do you think that most uh, companies would benefit by like hiring like a dedicated content person internally or is that something that you can kind of just like, hey, let's put a task on everybody's to-do list once a month to create a piece of content? Like, yeah. if you want to start creating, what's what's the... I think, I think you're putting that on the spot. He's bad to say high attend speed, isn't it? <laughs> hey, if that's, if that's the solution, that's the solution. Yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, that's certainly that's always an option. Um, but no, it's a great question. I think it's, it's certainly one of the like content as an umbrella or even content marketing is huge. So when you don't have some level of ownership, um, you know, it's sort of that old adage that things that are, that are measured get done or whatever. you like, I think it falls very well into that. Like if there's no one focusing on it and owning it, I think you have a, a challenge in really making it a priority. And so we actually, despite like the type of work that we do, I would say the majority of our clients have, someone dedicated to content or content marketing in-house. Um, but that person is often very wide and not able to be very deep. So they're they're covering, you know, sales collateral, they're covering um, decks, uh, ebooks, webinars, video, uh, blog content, thought leadership, PR, like they they span a lot of a lot of content and then that's where we're able to sort of go deep in the in the area of sort of SEO content um, to augment. But yes, very much I think if it's a priority for you, then that's that's an important thing to have someone owning it and, and driving it forward. That's great. So I think you got my right radar on that um, because I think 
you I've interviewed by Rob Rowling or you came on Murray Radar in the Slack group of Microconf, because I know you do a lot of work for SaaS companies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is there any consistent patterns around things you see SaaS companies or companies that approach you in general that they're doing consistently wrong, a consistent pattern um, that you you can advise them that they need to change. Is there anything that consistently that comes to your mind that they consistently do wrong? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a few. Um, one is like on the strategy side. Um, sometimes it's we come in and, and the approach has sort of been, yeah, we just kind of jump into Ahrefs or SEMrush once in a while and and uh, look at topics that have volume and then we write about them or, you know, we just write about whatever topics people have ideas on. And there's not really like a cohesive strategy to um, build that forward, like build out on the right topics, establish authority, all of that. Um, From an execution standpoint, I think what we see most is like inconsistency because of uh, just like a lack of bandwidth um, or creating good content, but it's just not like formatted and structured well um to rank and so um being able to help with that um the third i would say is distribution like there's a lot of um a lot of times we'll see content being created but it's not it's sort of put on the blog and then that's it like there's not uh, a lot of thought or care going into how do we continuously promote like we spent the time creating it how do we keep promoting it how do we break it up and share it into different channels or uh, things like that and then the last one I think is pretty big as people have been going for a little bit longer, um, not really any attention being paid to existing content um, and how to, to re-optimize that. So um, it's, it's pretty natural for content to, you know, increase in performance once it's new and do well. But over time that begins to decay and there's issues from competition or, or internal things that, cause that and really requires ongoing attention to your existing content to keep it performing well. So yeah, I would say that's the the four biggest ones are strategy, execution, distribution, and then uh, existing content. Oh, thanks. That's a fabulous answer. Thanks for that. Um, We're going to go for our break. When we come back, we've got some other great questions for that. We'll see you soon, folks. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Are you a creative WordPress agency with a design focus? But are you looking for a great quality development partner, a technical development partner that really knows everything around WordPress and can help you with complicated build-outs? Well, I've got a fantastic solution and partner here, Hustlefish. Now, with Hustlefish, they've got many years' experience in helping design-focused agencies get superb results with very technical and complicated WordPress build-outs. If this sounds like the partner that you need, go over to hasslefish.com and book a free consultation. They'd be delighted to help you. We're coming back. 
Um, just want to point out that if you want to help the show and really engage in the conversation, a great way of doing that is join the WP Tonic Mastermind Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and look up Mastermind Facebook group, uh, Mastermind WordPress group, I should say. Um, and there's me and plus some of the regular panel on the Friday show, moderate all the content and add it. It's a great community, so join us there. So what are, what are you know, for the kind of like the micro-conf crowd, you know, they can have funding from angel investors. You know, they're not being fully VC invested. So they've got a lim- they've got investment, but it's not millions. And they're looking to get the engine going. Are there any kind of um, things to, that you could advise them that they sh- around, maybe around that first part before we went to the break around strategy? Because... That's the probably, I'm only surmising it, that's probably the thing that they don't think about is build some strategies. You got any insights mm-hmm. around that? Or would do you think that's a good question to ask you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good question. I think the, um, it, when they're, when a company has less budget, I think there's two, two main ways that, that they'll tend to think about it. One is we still want to do a lot of content, so we're going to try to find the cheapest way to do that, um, or we want to figure out how to create like good content but a lower volume that kind of still stays within the, the budget. And so, um, certainly, always try to advise people on the second option. I think there's, um, you know, really my thought is always like do as much as you can do well. Um, whether that's a, a bandwidth restraint or a budget restraint. Um, so even if that's only publishing one or two pieces a month, uh, and if that's blog or, or some other format, like um, just really focusing on on what you can do well in that and knowing that over time you can build into it later um, with a budget. Um, so I think that's important. And from a strategy perspective, if you were to talk more written content, I think there's... Um, a lot of value in starting pretty close, like topically starting pretty close to your product. Um, so whatever that may be, you know, don't, don't go right about one thing and then another and, and sort of like all over the place, like really start in a, in a very narrow um, uh, set of topics that are very closely tied to your product. And then over time you can sort of move out from there. But um, given sort of the, the level of intent and what people are searching for and some of that, it tends to work well to be starting starting close to product in terms of of topics that you're selecting. Where does like paid advertising media type stuff fit into this? Like I know there I feel like there's been sentiment that I've seen or read and heard just like around online about people saying that like all oh, content marketing is in, impossible these days. Like there's just too many people trying to do it. It's all paid. Like if you're going to get results, go paid. Um, and there's people that are like, no, it's like a hybrid thing, write your articles, pay to promote it, mm-hmm. try to get some shares out there to get that SEO uh, up there. But in your mind, like how does how does the it feels like there's been a move to people move, funneling more money into paid stuff. Um, but that's all anecdotal from from my side of stuff. So, like, how do you yeah. think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
cer- certainly the those two op- uh, two uh, things that you mentioned are are what I hear a lot as well. Um, but I think um, it, I, I certain like we we have a number of clients that that do paid, but they're doing it in a in a really just an acquisition focus and not necessarily paying to distribute content or anything like that. And they're still able to get good results and get growth. I think one comes down to kind of how you structure your goals and like your expectations of the content. Um, And so depending on what those goals may be, you may see that as a viable option to pay to promote, um, to hit whatever goals you've set to really be able to have a certain number of people viewing the content. Um, So I think, yeah, goals and, and what your intentions are matter. Um, and then I also just think the, um, there's a number of people that say like, um, not, not focusing on like, how do I, how do I get a lot of people to see my content? It's like, how do I, how do I create content worth people's attention, uh, and that they would want to, to read. And so I think, uh, again, that's a little bit of like perspective, but not like, well, we, we wrote these 10 blog posts now, how do we just make a bunch of people look at it. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that foundational approach and how you're doing that. But, um, but yeah, I would say the, the best, um, the best uh, examples that I've seen uh, companies have pretty clearly delineated a certain amount of budget to uh, like performance marketing, very focused on acquisition, very ROI focused cost per lead, whatever it may be. Um and then there's sort of another bucket of paid that's very focused on awareness. And that may just be general ads. It may be, you know, re- YouTube, pre-roll video, podcast sponsorships, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and within that, I think I would lump in paying to promote content because you're not really expecting direct leads or, or conversions to come from that, but you want to distribute the content. Um, and then there's other budget that's really just, uh, you know, content and some other things that you know you want to invest in. So, um Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how how do you? I guess kind of just like a follow through here, like with when whenever you're talking to companies about budget, oftentimes ROI gets brought up. Can you like start thinking through or or how? I guess can you stack up the ROI to a content like spending whatever it takes to write one blog article versus you know, a thousand dollars, let's say a thousand dollars to write an article versus a thousand dollars to run an ad just for sake of argument. Like, can you compare those two ROIs and say, this is what you can expect here. This is what you can expect with that ad. Or is it kind of like apples and oranges? And really we're talking about two distinct marketing channels that are going to hit two different people. Um, and so there's not a whole lot of like direct comparison that can be drawn from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, to be perfectly honest, um, anyone that I've, chatted with that has like uh views like the content and seo through the exact same lens as paid performance like we don't work with them and it's just you're kind of approaching it immediately with the wrong mindset um but the few things i would say there one is like uh in your example of a thousand dollars in each the thousand dollars can efficiently get you those customers through paid um but once you've done that, you've done that, and it's over. And if the thousand dollars for content can create good content that uh, you know works on your site long term, you know, over twelve months or twenty four months or whatever it may be, um, then you st- certainly have a longer runway 
And when you're doing that every month, creating more content, you're building that up much more. Um, but I also think it's worth noting, um, like it's pretty common that we see uh, like 85 to 95% of blog posts on a website do not directly generate conversions um, as like the main landing page. So it is by and large uh, an introductory uh, channel. So it's helping people there. Your post comes up in a search, they read it, they become aware of your company, what you do. And then if they're a fit sort of move through and eventually convert on, on other channels. So, um, so that's worth noting that like majority of content um, is not typically like this much traffic came in this many converted. This is how much we spent on that post. Here's the direct ROI. Um, so I think that's typically how we, we talk through a lot of that and help kind of understand the differences. But the, the other flip side of that is like you have, um, if you're doing the distribution point that I mentioned before, um, that content is also a huge um, fuel for other marketing. So it's good content that goes in your newsletter. It's good content that sales can send to prospects. It's content that you can break up into a couple, you know, several different social media posts. Um, there's all kinds of stuff you can do with that content as well versus, like I said, just slapping it on the, the blog and, and leaving it there. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it, it's not as black and white as uh, the paid ROI, but there's certainly a lot there. And I think the companies that understand that and invest in it uh, do well in the long run. I want to ask you a question about what I call the customer journey. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm looking at a new product, a new service, I tend to go to Google. I put in some general terms. I do a read-up. It really depends on the price point. If it's a service that WP Tonic's going to use, it's probably in the upper it's going to be a service provider or a company that provides a service. And I do a bit of a a morning, afternoon, a day. I do a bit of a what I call a Google dive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do an extensive search of articles, videos, make some, is this person biased? Is he, is he about affiliate marketing or right. is he honest individual? And then I try and write down some of the key things that I need to know about the product to make a judgment call. And then I go to these people's websites and I do a read and I tend to look over everything they've got to offer. And then I'll make a judgment call around price, feature set, which person I'm... Is this, is this what people have to understand? Am, what I'm stating to you, do you think it's what most people are doing now? And how, based on your experience, what does in, influence people to do that first outreach when they're looking at two to three product providers? Yeah, I mean, I think at that stage, you're pretty, you're pretty deep into the, the process if you're, you're sort of comparing options. Um, and that's where we've seen like... Um, you know, thinking about a funnel or buyer journey as like problem, solution, and then like uh, consideration or whatever. It's, you know, the problem is like you're literally just Googling terms of how to whatever, like trying to figure out how to solve your problem. And then once you kind of understand, okay, it's 
whatever, a marketing automation platform is what would actually solve it. Then you start Googling, you know, best marketing automation platform, marketing automation platform prices, things like that, reviews. Um, and then eventually you end up at something like HubSpot versus Pardot or HubSpot versus Marketo or things like that that are uh, much more in that tent. So certainly in your example, you're you're pretty far down that process and that you're you're already comparing. But that's where uh, you know, we often see a ton of opportunity around um, you know the product name and pricing or um, creating those competitor pages of you know one versus the other um, and things like that where it um, it's still kind of targeted to those terms and understanding that stage of the, of the buyer journey um, and creating that content that sort of solves what they're looking for and uh, and satisfies that search intent so um, yeah I mean I think that's that's extremely typical, even even with the rise of G2 and Captera and a number of sites that allow you to kind of do comparison research within their website where you wouldn't see some of those queries. Um, it's still uh, extremely prevalent to, to have people searching for that in search engines. Yeah, I find their content to be a bit shallow, as I would call it, um, like all directory kind of... Yeah. And I they kind of I classify them as kind of quasar directory websites. Um, I've got a feeling that especially with my own website, I'm, I'm in the next months I'll be trying to rectify that. Is that we got a lot of block content, but we haven't. I I see the real opportunity is what you highlighted um, about comparisons. Really thinking of the mind of the of the possible customer about giving them content that says there's this product and there's ours and these are the good things and being totally honest and saying this is honestly why we feel you should look at ours. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm on the right track? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think um, that comparison type of content, uh, one versus the other, or even you know, in the example I gave with marketing automation, like... Um, HubSpot alternatives or Marketo alternatives, like that type of search is also, again, someone who's very much, I know of this one, I want to look at how it stacks up against others. Um, and so, yes, doing that, but I, yeah, we certainly always recommend doing it in a very honest way, not trying to kind of hide um, where the other product may be stronger than you or it offers more users in a plan or anything like that. I think it's... Um, it's in your best interest to to be honest and show that comparison and and know that anyone who does still choose to go with you from that um, knows what they're getting into and will be will be happy on the other side of the sale. Right, I think we wrap up the podcast part of the show. Um, Nat's agreed to stay on for some bonus content, which you'll be able to watch the whole interview plus the bonus content on the WP Tonic YouTube channel and the WP Tonic website where there there's going to be a full transcription of the of the interview um if you really um, want to support the show give us a um, um a review on iTunes that really helps and if it's amusing I will read it out good or bad so Nat, um 
how can people, what's the best way for people to find out about you and 10 Speed and find out more about your great knowledge? That Yeah. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, username, I think, is Nate Turner one um, And uh, 10speed.io is the website for our agency. Um, and then uh, also the podcast uh, that we've been running is called Content That Grows, which you can find that on uh, any and all streaming platforms and, and YouTube as well. And Stephen, what's the best way to find out more about you and and your company and what you're up to? Yeah, you can head over to our website, hustlefish.com. That's great. And what I'm going to be discussing with Matt is more about the journey of 10Speed itself and what's some of the challenges and what's the future of 10Up. It's going to be a fantastic disc in the bonus content. But we're wrapping up the podcast and we'll see you next week with another great guest. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 